0: Hey guys, I'm Kevin and welcome back to another episode of Ableton Cast. Um, Today is a real first for the podcast, something I'm really excited about. A little while ago, I had uh, reached out and said, hey, I'm getting really busy with work and family. Is there anybody who might be willing to help me out with the podcast? And I had a listener... I'll reach out. Really nice guy named Dan Garcia, who said, hey, love to help out in whatever way I can. So we chatted back and forth. And uh, yeah, now, sort of weeks, months later, um, Dan has done a number of episodes for the podcast. And yeah, you're going to hear from Dan shortly. But I just wanted to quickly say, uh, before I pass it over to Dan, special thanks to Recording Studio Rockstars podcast, Special thanks to Tao Audio for lending me, well, giving me the Jupiter plugin to review, which is absolutely amazing. Special thanks to Cherry Audio, and special thanks to Drum Sample Shop. Love what they do. So anyways, guys, thank you so much for coming back to Ableton Cast. I know it's been a little while since I last did a proper episode, but... Thank you for hanging in there, sticking with me. And uh, yeah, really appreciate it. So, Dan, over to you. I'll let you kind of introduce yourself and introduce the amazing guests that we have.
1: Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone. I'm Dan Garcia, and I will be the new host of Ableton Cast for the foreseeable future. I just want to start by saying a massive thank you to Kevin for trusting me with the interviews and taking on Ableton Cast when he reached out asking for some help I was very keen to get on board to keep the to keep the podcast going so thank you Kevin I'll start by giving you guys a very brief introduction to myself I'm a drummer based out of London England and I run a remote recording studio and obviously use Ableton when I'm out live I run uh, backing tracks and program my electronic drum changes um, if you're interested in Checking me out, you can see my Instagram, which is at Dan Garcia Drums, or or you can check my website out, which is dangarcia drums.com. All right, on to the episode. The guest for this one is one of my favorite drummers and all round great guy, Andrew Marshall. Andrew has played most notably with Billie Eilish, Phineas and an amazing artist called Verite who I strongly urge you to check out. Andrew was very gracious with his time and we spoke at length and I think there's a lot of really really great information in this episode. Uh, if you're interested in checking out Andrew, the best place to find him is on Instagram uh, and his handle is at Marshall Drums. Alright, on to the episode. I've never actually done a podcast before so this is my f- you're my first guest. Oh wow <laughs> So yeah thank you for being my first guest.
2: It's an honor. Yeah, my pleasure.
1: Cool. So I guess let's just dive right in um, and sure. we'll start with like how you got started with um, music and then and how that kind of led you to Ableton.
2: I started playing drums when I was nine. I, um, I had a friend who played drums in school and I thought they looked cool and you know, um, I sort of, you know, I would see a drum set in this window of a music store or whatever and um, that was really it you know, I mean some people in my family sort of played for fun a little bit but I didn't like come from a, like any professional musicians in my family or anything like that And my parents were gracious enough to buy me a drum set and I just, I had the bug basically from a really early age um, I just loved it, you know and I would come downstairs after school and just play like, you know, for hours and um, that was really it from the get-go. And also from the beginning, I was trying to like play with as many people as I could and find myself in as many situations as I could. So, I mean, in the beginning, it was like school band, you know, in fourth grade. And um, from there, I had, you know, joined a bunch of bands at middle school, high school. Eventually, um, you know, started playing out in town. I grew up in New York and, you know, in high school, I could go play in clubs and you know restaurants and stuff in the city. So by the time I got to college, I had already like played a lot of gigs and gotten paid to play, and you know saw myself as sort of a a session player, a you know hired gun type drummer. And um, yeah, so from there I went to college and um, still you know played as much as I could, took a lot of music classes. I didn't end up majoring in music but I I started in this dual degree program um where I was like one major was jazz studies and the other was liberal arts and I actually didn't like I didn't graduate with the music degree funnily enough but um I did play tons of music and um also like at that time realized that like electronics were becoming a huge thing and or had been really a huge thing in pop music and all kinds of music and I was checking out tons of electronic artists and, so to answer your question that's when I got into Ableton was like in college um, yeah uh,
1: and what version of Ableton was that That was Ableton 8 Oh sweet yeah. okay yeah and then when did you start using Ableton? Uh, on gigs was it did you just explore uh, for your for your own kind of interest at first and then you know take it out live or did you kind of get a call that was like we need to use Ableton and then learn from there
2: um shortly after college was the first time I like had to use it specifically myself on a gig um when I was in college I was playing with a friend who was producing in Ableton and um We did some things, I don't think we ever really played live with it at that time when I was like around 20, 21, 22, mostly like he would like produce in Ableton and then we would like bounce samples out and I would have an SPD with like, you know, samples on it and triggers and stuff. Um, But yes, around like 23, 24, 25, I started kind of getting calls where like, um, You know, I had to run tracks or I had to run like a click track to a singer, or maybe I was playing with an artist and they were running tracks or something, you know, um, and I was somehow tangentially involved or I was getting a click and tracks or, you know, I had to know how things were set up or whatever. Um, So, yeah, it started pretty basic, mostly just like tracks.
1: Um, Yeah, that's how I got into it as well. Just tracks. Yeah. And then how did you get into using it for? Um, for el- drum electronics, so you know the kind of stuff that you're doing now, I suppose.
2: I used to play with this artist called Verite out of New York, amazing um, songwriter and producer and artist. Um, toured with her for several years, and in in terms of drum world, we were only sending program changes to an SPD to change the kits, and so that was like my first um, time when I had like drums integrated. With Ableton, and we were doing some other things like uh, sending MIDI to play a Moog, um, and sending program changes around the stage and stuff like that. Um, and then, so that so that was what we did with with Verite. And then, actually, it was really on the on the Billy gig, um, because I was I was running tracks, and I also had to play a ton of samples, and it was really just about. Like speed and ease of use. Like I had to learn a lot of material quickly, and I had to program a lot of stuff. And it was just easier if everything was in Ableton. Like I wasn't having to bounce out samples and like open up, you know, SPD Wave Manager or put in things on a hard, like a USB stick or whatever. And you know, it was just like everything was right there. And so it was easiest for me to to put my drum racks and things in Ableton so I could just edit, you know, change levels all on one screen. You know.
1: Yeah, it's just quicker, right? Yeah. Because that's why I started using Ableton as well, was to just for speed and for automation, actually, changing samples in songs, which I know is something you do on the belly gig.
2: Yeah. So that sort of evolved. Um, in the beginning, it was fairly basic, just like I had an SPT. It was all the pads were mapped to you know, a drum rack with samples in it. And I think pretty much all i did was like change kits for songs there might have been one or two songs where i had to get like a different kit within a song but um <clears throat> and then it just evolved you know we got more tunes and eventually i changed my rig to have like way fewer pads and um i just as i went along i sort of realized like like the power of what you can do when you make you know you make the computer do most of the work for you, you know what i mean? So yeah, <laughs> you can totally. just sort of focus on gro- groove and I, you know i don't have to have four different yeah. pads that have different snap samples or whatever, you know. Um, yeah.
1: And the way you set up your kit is really streamlined and I mean, i guess it just it just does the job, right? Like on a on on a gig the size of Billy's, like there's no room for error. Yep. So you you need to have your kit streamlined in a way that it works.
2: Yeah. I guess. totally totally um and then it's easy to play and you know if i'm in a blackout i'm not having to like squint to see some tiny pad or you know make sure i hit yeah. the right little button that has like some huge explosion or 808 or something that's like super important you know um yeah so yeah that's just how i think about it now and like in terms of like Automation, you know, again, that's just really easy to do in Ableton, like, you know, filters opening or reverbs or, um, you know, or, or again, like with the pads changing and whatnot, like, you know, um, Phineas and, and other producers too, like, they program things like, uh, you know, different snares on different beats or different kicks and things are layered and turning on and off. And like, I just feel like to have to like worry about that type of choreography like takes you out of the music, you know. So like, yeah,
1: I totally agree.
2: If there's like four different snare samples, like just make them all change and just play a snare, you know. Like if they get claps get layered and things, you know, um, just allows you yeah. to like focus on the groove more.
1: Yeah, and and the ultimate goal is to realize the record as you know as close to the as as the record as possible out live. You know, and I suppose Ableton just makes that possible without you having to really work too hard. And as you say, then you can then focus on the group more. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. That's a, yeah, That's really cool. Talk us through the rig you use with Billy and sure. how you have that set up and how that works down to like the, 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 the as, as detailed as you want to go.
2: Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll do the roadmap from the drums to the computer. Um, at the drums, I have, Several pads. Um, three of them are the v, the mesh head V drums, the PD85s, and a PD8 on my left. That's just the rubber pad. Um, triggers on the kick and snare, and then a Roland KT10 pedal, um, which is just the you know the electronic pedal. Um, all those things except for the triggers are running into a TM6, um, and then from there. They go into we used to be a iConnectivity MIDI four plus and now I think we just changed this around. It's a a Mio iConnectivity Mio um Mio XM the
1: XM I think yeah. it's I think it, it's like the half rack size. It's the
2: half rack one.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the Mio XM,
2: I believe. I think so. I hope it is. I hope I don't get called out for the wrong <laughs> name. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. I'm
1: agreeing with you, so we'll get called out together. Okay, cool. Well, they're
2: wonderful. <laughs> We love activity, so even if I have the wrong name, hopefully they don't hate me too much. Um, So those things go in there, the TM6 goes into there, and then um, that sends MIDI into Ableton world, um, playback world. Uh, And that comes into a PlayAudio 12. Um, Separately, the triggers go into a TM2, um, which is just a smaller Roland trigger, uh, trigger interface. And those actually aren't sending any MIDI, they're just audio on board the unit. The unit gets program changes for different songs, also through the Mio. Um, But yeah, those do not going to Ableton. And then, um, so the TM6 uh, sends MIDI into the Play Audio 12, and then from there into Ableton, um, into the Drum Rack track, and... The TM six just stays on the same kit the whole show because it's only all the changes happen in the drum racks.
1: Yeah, it's just carrying the MIDI essentially.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's sort of where nice. my quote unquote rig ends because obviously playback world is is different. Is the brain, you, you know.
1: Do you know do you know much about what goes on in playback world with Billy? Do you have a much much of a say on that?
2: Um, I I know what's going on I don't um, have any input really on input, yeah. what it is but that, that's up
1: to the MD right
2: <laughs> the MD and uh, the playback yeah. tech as well
1: yeah of course um, and they okay.
2: they have to do all kinds of other things like they need to send MIDI to Phineas's world and yeah um, you know I mean time code it's, it's the brains of the operation so
1: yes yeah yeah, yeah. so you're the presumably the machine that's running your drum rack is completely separate to playback world. You've got no, actually, machines. it's the
2: same computer. Oh, really? Believe it or not, yeah. People oh, wow. like really are amazed at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm surprised by that. Yeah, because normally it's like you know each uh, kind of thing has its own dedicated machine. Yeah. But I suppose with the power of these laptops these days, I'm assuming it's laptops. What yep. What computers are you running?
2: They're MacBook Pros. Um, Okay. I don't. We're not on like the newest, newest like M1 or M1 Max yet.
1: Yeah, um, I'm avoiding. I'm avoiding that one too.
2: Yeah, the <laughs> compatibility is. I mean, yeah. it's it's close. It seems close, at least for like yeah. like basic Ableton things. Um, but not quite. But they're like really, really powerful Intel MacBook Pros. Um, yeah. And that actually, I think it's really basically just because. Like when we started, I had I was running playback with one computer, and and my drum racks, and that's where they were. Like I didn't have two computers.
1: That's just how it happened. Yeah,
2: and then once yeah. I got two computers, the second one had to be redundant playback. Like, yep, you know. And then it expanded, and we got like a playback, you know, a playback tech and stuff, and like playback moved off stage and whatnot. But um, it it's just it's always been fine. You know, we run the buffer relatively low for playback. I think it's a 256, um, right? But everything is chilling. We, we yeah. Did, we did consider um, separating the drum computers out, um, but ultimately decided against it at least for now because number one, it's working fine. Number two, like eventually we'll switch to even more powerful machines. Um, I mean, I've heard of. Like these, the M ones are insane. Like I've heard of people running like Ableton and Logic at the same time with a 64 buffer and stuff like that. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> um, they're wild. But God. Yeah. They're just like working out the compatibility kinks, so obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. You
1: just gotta give that a little while.
2: Yeah, but to it'll sort itself out. It'll happen.
1: Yeah, bit. it will happen for sure.
2: Um, yeah. And also, like, it sort of introduces a lot more room for error because. Like, my automation is so tight, like, 16th notes, you know, it's, um, things are changing on a dime, you know, like, I get a sample, I get a sample for half a beat and it goes away, and, like, if there's any drift or, like, things become unsynced at all, like, or if, like, God forbid, one of them doesn't fire or something, like, um... I, you know, my stuff would be unplayable, basically.
1: Yeah, you then end up with a silent drum kit. (laughs) Yeah, or like just completely the wrong
2: samples. Like I can't play the part. You know.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's no joke. Yes. What you want going on? Cool. Oh, I was going to ask something about automation. Oh yeah, does your TM two? Does that change within songs, or does that just get what it gets for? the song at the start of the song because patch changes take slightly more time on the machine right
2: yep um, there's a couple of cases where I get different things within songs um, generally I, I honestly like I don't really use triggers very heavily um, for whatever reason as we as we've like built the show and as we've built out all these songs I, we just find like I don't really need them that much um, for this particular music yeah. so um, the trigger situation is like it's pretty simple usually like you know the kick drum will have a sample on it if we feel it needs it or the snare will have like a clap if it needs it or whatever um, but yes there are a couple to- couple tunes where um, I get something in the chorus and then it's gone for the verse or um, there's one in particular actually where they're the snare samples are like flipping back and forth on beat two and beat four, and that's just—it's just because this song is slow enough to allow for the the program changes to happen. Yeah, you know I mean,
1: okay, yeah, like yeah.
2: If you're doing any quick program change automation like that, you're kind of limited. The tempo is limited. Yeah, you know, you can only get so fast before your program changes aren't gonna be fast enough. Aren't gonna work. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and again, you know, these are like workarounds like. Obviously, there are ways you can run triggers in Ableton with low latency, and I've done those, and that's all well and good. But I just don't have a need for that in this particular situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. fair enough. And you know, you only ever need to do the things that you know get the job done, essentially. Yeah, do exactly. The simplest way.
2: Yeah, and this you know this is sort of like a, a thing I really believe is like do it the simplest way that works. You know, don't yeah. don't like do things because they're cool or like because they scratch your nerd itch. I mean, I'm a huge nerd. Like, I love all this stuff. But at the same time, like, if you're, you know, you're going to South by Southwest and you're playing in a band and you've got five-minute changeovers, like, run your tracks out of an SPD. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, I've done that. It's so simple and it's great. Like, And And it does the job for that, you know, for that gig, right? Yeah. But if you've got the opportunity to do more complicated or, you know, Complex things, then if it suits, then it's cool. But yeah, yeah, simplicity is key for sure.
2: You always have to consider the the situation, you know, because like yeah. I'm I'm lucky that I'm not like limited by like change over time and you know amount of gear and whatnot. But
1: yeah, um, well, and you've got a you know a tech to help you out. It's not like you've got to troubleshoot and set up the drums and run playback and run everything. You know, you've got there's a team of you guys making sure that it all it will work smoothly.
2: Yeah, totally, totally. And um, and yeah, Mike, my, my tech, is, he's fantastic. Like he he really knows his way around all, this, all these electronic things and like knows how to troubleshoot. Oh, like, you know, okay, we're not getting MIDI here. Let's swap out the cable. Like let's swap out the unit, whatever. And like at, at this point, like with this size rig, like you have to have that. Like you have to have people taking care of it. Like I don't, I mean, if something goes wrong during a show, like I can't do anything, so. Yeah.
1: Well, because your job is to play drums, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But You've like got, that's your, thats what you're there to do, first and foremost,
2: right? But like I say, I mean, it's—it's it's all going on under the hood. You know, most of our rehearsal time is dedicated to like programming, or and I come in with things programmed that I can like drum racks programmed I can drop into the session, and, um, you know.
1: Oh, so you, you kind of prep that prior, and then you just bring it in, drop it onto the. The laptop and then you're good to go
2: yes yeah so it's it's cool actually we have a, a really streamlined process at this point um between myself and our md aaron and um all, you know all the crew like basically when we get new material um i'm lucky enough to get the stems which is like not not super common i don't think um but it just allows me to to be so much more efficient like unbelievably efficient like you know if i was working from just a master recording and going okay you know there's there's a snare there's like a snare an 808 sample and i think it's layered with a clap at this part and then on beat four i think it's something i can't really hear it you know but
1: yeah you have to kind of pick it apart
2: yeah and then you get into the rehearsal and you see the stems and it's like okay it's all these different things and okay well you know my automation like has to do all these things. so give me four hours and um, oh wait, I, I'm gonna play it. oh, it didn't work, let me try it. you know like this uh, like, that process I just do it at home because it's just it's so much easier for me to like sit at my desk, you know, be like, okay, this changes here. like this snare has this layer on it you know every other bar in the bridge. like you know, I just make all those things happen. and then I come in and then um, Aaron our MD will bounce me out like uh mixed samples because he like processes the stems himself so i'll be like okay i want this i want that i want you know these three kick drums like whatever just bounce me those and then i just drop them into the drum rack automation is done already um that's
1: so cool that's so cool
2: (laughs) yeah and then just import do like a you know session data import track import into the playback session um and that's it. And then we can just play it down. And that's
1: it. And then you're done.
2: Yeah, pretty oh, much. Oh man,
1: that's so cool. So yeah. so your, your MD is kind of, this kind of leads me to my next question really, which is like, what's your process of getting stuff ready for, the, for a live show? You're, you're saying that your MD is responsible for kind of getting the files from the producer, which is Phineas, right? Gets the stuff from Phineas and then mm-hmm. he processes that and then sends you what you need.
2: Yeah, he generally generally will work with stems actually from the mixer. Um, oh, okay. Just because they're already mixed. Um, and and obviously, like, this is only what I'm talking about. It's, like, pertaining to drum world. Like, there's other, you know, uh, main stage sampler instruments that have to get built and guitar patches that have to be replicated and things like that. And, you know, that's, like, mostly on his end and Phineas's end. And they... Um, take care of all those things, also working from the stems. Um, but yeah, you know, basically I, I come in with like placeholder samples that I've pulled out. Um, you know, and just, just so that I can do the automation, and so that I can play the tunes down at home, and go, okay, the sample is cool here, but in this chorus I'm going to go to the snare. You know, or like, or I'm going to play the sample kick in the first verse, but I'm going to play the real kick in the second verse. Or nah, the real kick doesn't work in the second verse. I'm gonna play the sample kick again, like stuff like that. Just right, okay. And like obviously, it's not only my decision. Like we come, I come in and we workshop things, and then with everybody playing, it feels different. And then I go to the real kick instead or whatever. Um, But I try to try to get it to a place that makes sense to me. Yeah, you know. And more often than not, I'm like eighty percent right or something you know like i'm i'm trying to like hear what makes sense what works and um, at this point we've all been working together for a while and um you know we, we sort of can get pretty close to like what is going to work live
1: yeah and you i suppose you get a feel of how you like things to work etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: yeah i'm yeah. i'm just trying to have your to, process yeah i'm just trying to do justice to the music you know what i mean like elevate in a live sense where it makes sense, and but also stay out of the way when I have to stay out of the way. Um, so I don't know. I think I meandered there a little bit, but I think that's sort of the that's the process. You know, um, I come in with my automation. You know, Aaron bounces me the samples, we put it in, and then you know it's just it's it's much faster to to be able to build it and then play it down and then go okay let's try this in the verse and oh the sample's already there so i can just play it you know rather than going oh you know i think it would be cool if like you had this sound okay let's go bounce it out okay let's go you know here's your usb sticks put it in the spd and like that that process is cool like i've done that whatever but um i don't know it's just
1: it's just been years of iterating this that can inhibit creativity as well yeah yeah you know, you've got all these processes to go through, and then you play it, and you're like, "Oh, that doesn't actually sound as good as like thought it would." And then you feel like you've wasted tons of time. Yeah, totally. Rather than just being able to like change the automation. Oh, oh no, it didn't work. Never mind, just undo.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, oh hey hey, I'm actually you know I'm in order to make this happen, I'm gonna need 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes. I'm gonna fix this. Whatever. But you know that being said, if we get a batch of new music, we definitely come into rehearsal and we don't play a note for like two to three days. It's just it's just programming, and our whole crew is really bored. And <laughs> you know, <laughs> I oh well, they it's it's sort of it's always like you know, like do nothing for a while, and then like fire drill, like have to fix something really fast or whatever. Uh, they're all champions, but um, yeah, that's just that's just how it is. But you know, then once we start playing, we can play, and we can actually workshop parts, and we can go, oh, maybe we should extend this intro or whatever. You know, rather than just getting bogged down in technical stuff.
1: So the arrangement of the songs comes after you. So you kind of do it true to the record, and then comes the kind of like, you know, live arrangement type stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, sometimes
2: we'll talk about something from the get go. Like, we'll listen to a song and be like, "Oh, I think maybe this outro could be shorter, or like the bridge could be doubled, or you know." We could do a different feel or something. But most of the time, it sort of comes like as we're playing stuff and we go, ah, you know, this feels long or this feels short or something. Yeah. You know, but generally with Billy and Finn, we keep it most of the time pretty close to the album forms, at least. You know,
1: here and there. From the stuff that I did, I noticed that you guys keep it super close. Yeah. To the record. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because. Which I think yeah. is kind of cool. Sorry. No, no, all good.
2: I, I Once I get rolling, you know, it's like, <laughs> gotta shut me up. Um, yes. I think, you know, there's something to be said for, like, you know, a, a fan comes to a show and, like, here's a new song for the first time. Like, it should be, like, you know, pretty close to the version they know, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, They're there because they heard the record. Mm hmm. You know, and that's—it's your job as the musician to realize specifically the drums as close as possible to that. Yeah, that's always what I think, anyway.
2: And but you know, still give it like a live thing. You know, like uh, yeah, it's it's a delicate sort of uh, art, I guess, trying to yeah. figure out what's going to work live. Because if I was if I was literally playing exactly what was on the record, I wouldn't have any. Real drums, you
1: know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, and also, why be why be there at that point? You know, just put it on the track and save yourself the trouble.
2: Right. And that is an exaggeration. I mean, there's there are live sounding program drums and stuff, and you know, like, but like especially on the like the more like electro tunes, um, like I you know have to inject like you know I have to fit a real kick drum in there somehow and a real snare drum like to like to make it hit live. You know, yeah. So it's all about like picking and choosing those moments, and you know, like maybe maybe the first chorus is the pad snare, and like because you know then we can like lift it in the second chorus or whatever. It's all those sorts of decisions.
1: Decisions to be made. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Great. Have you got much experience with using Ableton in a studio? Do you ever use it to like track yourself in your studio? Yeah, I actually
2: um, I don't track live drums in ableton i mostly do that in pro tools but i do my studio work is sort of half live playing and half programming and Mm -hmm. i do all the programming in ableton In ableton yeah okay um yeah so that's another cool like workflow and um you know a lot of the things that i've had to do live i do in the studio too you know actually like all this automation stuff like um you know, drum rack sends and like whatever opening up, you know all the like you know producer automation things. Like, I kind of did those a lot of them for the first time live, and like learned how to how to do that stuff live really. And then I was like, oh yeah, I I know how to whatever like automate you know, automate this thing or turn this device off or whatever. Um,
1: and but, then you took it into the studio. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. But I I love that. I mean. Um, I get. I feel like I. I. I love being able to go really deep on like just drums, and um, you know do like lots of layers if the song needs it, or you know um, uh, you know like work with like work on really cool records where there like n- wouldn't necessarily be live drums. Like um, it's it's kind of a cool thing to be able to go like to work with some like electronic artist or like a you know very poppy artist or something where they, they're they not, they don't want live drums, but I can be like, yeah, well, you know, I can like program stuff and that's like a whole other thing. And I, I find that also very creatively rewarding.
1: Do you, do you ever play the programmed stuff?
2: Like if I'm, if I'm programming, like, do I play it in? Are you saying?
1: Yeah. So do you ever kind of, you know, create yourself a drum rack, create some sort of kit and then play the part to get the feel?
2: That's that's a good question. You know, it's funny. Like, I feel like you would think that I would, and I I would think that I would, but I actually don't. I basically draw it all in the grid. Um,
1: okay. And yeah.
2: I don't know. I I think that just evolved because like, I, I I guess I would like would try to do that, and I would play it in like as MIDI or something, and it like MIDI is like harder to edit and. Um, I just and then I was like moving it around and then I was like adding notes and drawing stuff anyway and I just kind of like I just I'm just quicker drawing it Um, and that's just my own workflow and I can you know get I can move shift things around and like add feel and whatever but um, yeah I guess sometimes I sometimes I will like I'll draw a bunch of stuff in and then I'll play like one part you know and draw the rest or
1: something yeah but pretty much I just draw it all on the grid you just draw it all in yeah Nice. Sweet. And what version of live are you on at the minute? You, you presumably are up to 11.
2: I'm on 10.
1: <laughs> You're still on 10? No way.
2: Yeah. Because
1: that's kind of why I partly asked if you'd used it in the studio because they have the new take lanes feature. Yes. So you can do the multi-track stuff now. And I'd wonder, yeah, I was just sort of wondering if you'd had any experience with that.
2: Yeah, that's a really great thing. I'm really happy about it. I'm stoked to try it. But funnily enough, you know, I have been so busy over the past like since 11 came out basically that i really haven't had time to like even get it um i think i downloaded it and i haven't even opened it
1: i haven't even opened it oh uh, <laughs> god
2: it's embarrassing it's truly embarrassing <laughs>
1: but uh, you're bu- you're busy it's it's acceptable
2: that's what it is i mean we're running 10 with billy too um and i have had to learn a lot of tunes and program a lot of stuff and i just I just to like had to get it done. Like I haven't had time. Um,
1: yeah, of course.
2: Yeah, but I just got a new M1 Mac, and so I'm gonna have to uh, check out that, you know.
1: Yeah, try that. Try that situation out. Yeah, because I've I've done the multi-track thing in Ableton, mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah, it's get. It, I would say it's getting there. I wouldn't use it exclusively in the studio, but in a pinch, it would work. That's cool. That's what. That's what I think. Yeah, they're definitely definitely improving things. Yeah, yeah, for kind of studio world in terms of recording audio, anyway.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough because, like, I mean, they straddle so many different types of applications. You know, like live, live, live in studio first of all, and then just like, I mean, Ableton is like a blank canvas, right? Like everybody uses it so differently. Like no two people really use it the same. Like everybody's got their own little creative workflow rabbit holes that they've gone into, and um, you know, so like catering to like all these different applications is like really tough. But yeah, the take lane thing is is really great, much needed improvement.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, do you have any Ableton stock plugins that you kind of always use? Um, Auto filter for sure. Yeah, a big one I put on. as much. Yeah,
2: yeah, all the time. Probably a lot of people do that too.
1: Yeah,
2: um, that's a big one. Um, Ableton reverb is kind of cool in a pinch and delay actually. Um, right, I've sort of moved, well, I still use the delay, but I moved away from the reverb a little bit. But I'll, I'll throw it on there if needed, especially, I mean, especially in, in a live setting. Um, I try to stick to built in. Ableton devices. If I even need any devices, which I don't really need too many, but um, I think there's there's one song in the Billy Show where I have a like the built-in reverb. Um, Is that like a throw on a snare or something? uh, Yeah, it's actually a throw on like all the drums for like this. Oh, nice. (laughs) Funnily enough, sweet. Um, Yeah, those are probably the biggest ones that I use. I would say, yeah.
1: And then what third-party plugins? So that you know, what reverb do you choose over the? What's your go-to reverb then?
2: Um, Valhalla, Valhalla yeah. room, um, or like the UAD ones are really cool too. Um, Capital Chambers, Ocean Way. Though yeah, those are definitely want one, the ones. Other, um, well, I mean, at, well, honestly, like talking about the live world. This, these are pretty utility, but like I I must mention the setlist app is
1: Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, that's
2: pretty much like everybody's using that these days, but
1: I mean Yeah. Um we just for anybody who doesn't know what Setlist is, do you mind just explaining that that briefly to them?
2: Oh yeah, sure. Um so Henry Strange of Strange Electronic created it and it's basically um a way to Create us an easy to navigate setlist in arrangement view, which is, like, um, you know, in, in session view you can just like move the scenes around, but in arrangement view, um, it, it's not so easy. So basically, it like, you like type in a song name and it automatically, like, catches that marker in your session, and then you can rearrange your songs and add things to a setlist, and um, rather than having to like, either have a controller with every song. Marker map to it, or be constantly rearranging your songs in the timeline. Um, yeah, just a basically an e- easy way to navigate the session in arrangement view.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing app. Yeah, and totally worth it. Yeah, I, I, I built out. Uh, did you know Touch OSC? Yeah, yeah. So I built out. I built that out to you know to have each marker on every song. Yep. Uh, and then I came across the. Uh, setlist app and was like oh wicked it <laughs> just saves so much time yeah so yeah sh- shout out to Strange Electronics for that that was a great app
2: yeah that's a great one plugin I should say yep um, other plugins um, the DS10 Drum Shaper from Excellent Audio is one of my favorite drum plugins it's like three knobs I don't know that one. Oh, it's so great they make it like addictive drums and addictive keys and it's it's like three knobs and it's basically um it's like saturation, transient design and like compression and reverb like all in one. Like it's like one of the knobs is like Mojo and you just turn it up. It's sort of like, I don't know, it's like a sausage fattener type thing where it's like, or um, or like the saturation knob. I forget who makes that one. But you know, like very, like very, very oh, simple. Oh, the
1: soft tube saturation. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's yeah. like that kind of vibe where it's just like, you just turn it up and it sounds good or whatever and, it's and it got sounds like, good yeah it's got like three modes like natural like vintage and modern or something like that um and like that is that's an i love that for drums kick snares and like the drum bus um killing just just fantastic like i always use that um slate stuff like virtual mix rack for live drums yeah. especially um very common. People love that. I love it as well. Yeah,
1: it's really. I, I use that that slight stuff all the time. Yep, that's so good.
2: Um, those are those are my most used generally. That's your, oh, UAD yeah. Distressor, I use always all the time. Nice on kicks yeah, and snares. And oh, and the um, I track a lot live drums with the API Vision Channel Strip, the Unison UAD Unison Preamp. Um,
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that stuff is insane. Yeah. So yeah, the UAD interfaces are just so cool. Yeah. Um, I just
2: um I just bought my first hardware preamp. I'm I'm dipping my toe into that world. No, of, way! what did you get? An API uh an API, 3124. Nice. The the 4 channel. But um Yeah, up to this point I've just used all Apollo, mostly the like, you know, you can just make an API
1: console and it's that yeah. oh, sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, let's move to, like, any horror moments you've had. Sure. Out live. And how did you fix that? Was it, you know, specifically pertaining to Ableton, I suppose?
2: Yeah. I mean, everybody is, has had those, you know. And it's, um, it's important to take them with some grace. And, you know, hopefully, like, <laughs> everybody understands that, you know, we're running the show with computers and computers have glitches, you know. Um, but let me, let me think. Um, there, there. This was actually sort of a period of time where I th- I'm i pretty sure this was due to, like, some Apple OS update that wasn't compatible with, like, Motu drivers, really, um, where I was, like, out on tour with a Motu interface and we would have, like, all these, like, the tracks were, like, skipping all the time. And, um, like, the audio would crackle and the track would skip or whatever. And, like, um, we'd have to, like, restart the rig. So that was really shitty because, like, you know, all of a sudden the click would like sound like Morse code and it would just be random and like you try to catch it and like the band would be so thrown off and like I was you know, I was like what do I do? I'm the only one on the click, like,
1: you know, whatever and that would happen on stage. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, did you did you have a playback tech at that point? No, running tracks myself. So it's just you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So that was like that was a thing that happened um for a period of time that I heard other people having to deal with. Um one time I had an interface lose connection at midway through a song, like, for no reason. And I now I just don't use Thunderbolt cables anymore. Or at least, well, that was Thunderbolt 2. I mean, it would be irrelevant now because it's obsolete. But I was using a Thunderbolt 2 interface. And, um, you know, I playing a tune halfway through with no tracks, no drum pads, like, everything gone. Um, you know and like we literally just couldn't like just had to just end the song and actually move on because I was in session view so I couldn't even start the song in the middle um,
1: Ooh, we couldn't pick up nope. we just had to nope. go again
2: So next that, song yep yeah. um, which in the moment is like okay you know I might as well just like jump off the roof of this venue but <laughs> <laughs> like you know like I mean I've seen people have like technological mishaps on stage and have to restart stuff and it's like I don't know I mean it's like fine generally <laughs> it's like yeah. funny or something or it's like you know we're, we're doing a lot people understand I think for the most part um, uh, those are bad uh, one time I had well this wasn't this wasn't like horror I actually like did handle this okay but like I was playing with a band um, and we like had like a 10 minute changeover and I got on stage and I plugged in the interface and like it, the computer wasn't seeing it and this is like okay our set time is like three minutes ago you know and um I guess I had just seen this shit like enough times where I was like okay like I got to get a new USB cable so I found a new one and like it was fine and the band was like wow man like we were shitting ourselves like how did you like how did you <laughs> stay so calm and I was like I don't even know I guess it's just like muscle memory takes over but 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 like for sure like that I mean, yeah, there are there are terrifying things that happen, and I'm I'm definitely glad that I don't have to run the or take care of the stuff. Like I really enjoy programming it ahead of time, but um, yeah, it's nice to have people taking care of it. And our playback tech is fantastic, and you know, is very um very detail oriented, which you have to be when
1: you're dealing with yeah, this stuff. Yeah, absolutely, have to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. Um, I remembered my other question uh, and it was about um, the plugin app trigger. Yeah, which I know you've used. Um, and do you use that on the Billy show or any other shows that you've done?
2: I actually I actually don't use it with Billy. Um, it's, that's a fantastic plugin um, and I, I've used it um, actually ironically in the studio for like drum replacement, like some people use other things like slate trigger or whatever. Um I use that
1: I've d- I've done the same. You just use it in post and it
2: Yeah. Yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of what I use for that. Um and like I've used it like at home, like demoing things and whatnot. But um it just goes back to like the need for a second machine. Like, you know, playback for us has held the drum rack since the beginning and like it's kinda like you know we're we're basically good I just like I don't have a need for like very heavy drum drum trigger automation with this music you know but for sure like if I did like uh, you know if if it was the type of situation where like which I've been in where like every um, like, where the music is like super, super electro, like, and like the live drums are really either an afterthought or it's like mostly samples. And I was having to like layer every single kick drum, then I, for sure I would use app Trigger and like do all kinds of automation and filter sweeps on the triggers and whatnot. But um, I just don't really have to right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, so, who, who are you out with right now? Because we're doing this podcast with you in your hotel room which is very kind of you today
2: yeah my pleasure uh,
1: yeah on a show day so who are you who are you on tour with right now
2: i'm on tour with phineas um we are doing um we basically just put a full band show together for his new record which just came out like a few weeks ago um uh so we put a show together and it's the band is myself phineas and the md aaron who is um, DMD for both Billy and Phineas, but he he plays in Phineas's band. Um, nice. What, what's yeah.
1: he, what does he play? Is he keys? Or- guitar, bass, keys,
2: guitar, bass, keys, sample pads.
1: <laughs> okay. You know, we always, <laughs> yeah,
2: we always. I always like joke that in like pop-oriented music, the band is like it's usually the drummer and then the non-drummer.
1: And like, and Phineas <laughs> says this too
2: on stage. He's like, Aaron's playing everything except drums. And it's just it's yeah because like the other person usually has some sort of spaceship um, of like keyboards yeah. and synths and computers and like racks of like you know whatever. Um, Aaron's rig isn't like too nuts, but anyway, yeah. So um, so we put this show together. We did most of the music in August, and we went and we went out and played a couple festivals. And then his album came out, Optimist, um, a few weeks ago, and we added some more songs um, from that from the record um, into the set. So now we're on like a month long US and two dates in Canada headlining tour. Um, Yeah, and it's really awesome. Like, um, It's pretty much all the same people um, as Billy, just like scaled down. um, And, you know, so it's like the family is like together. We're like, you know, just sort of rolling along and everybody knows each other really well and has like worked together before. So obviously for years. Um, so it's it's a really cool Really cool situation And nice to like You know Put another show together And play in a, You know sli- A different vibe And um, Yeah It's been really great so far So this is This is actually We st- technically started this tour Like a week and a half ago But I live in LA And the first few shows Were like LA San Diego So It's sort of it like didn't you can do
1: those from home yeah, yeah you like don't need it, to get
2: on a bus yeah it didn't feel like we were actually on tour but we were so we played last night we played in San Francisco so that was show number 4 um and yeah now we're playing in Portland
1: nice yeah. portland's on one of my top places to go in the states oh i love it i love to visit portland yeah yeah i'm am d- going to go check out revival drum shop later which is oh of course
2: always oh, man. always my stop in portland
1: yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, I guess my final question is like, or, you know, let me just give you the floor to kind of promote anything that you've got coming up in the near future. I know you obviously you've got the, the rest of the tour with Phineas, but you know, looking ahead to like twenty twenty two, what does that hold for you? Is there anything you'd like to share and promote or
2: Yeah. Yeah, funnily enough I don't like because I've been so busy with Billy and Finn, um, I like don't have any like project specifically on the table right now um, which I'm you know grateful to be like just like a pedal to the metal here for you know for the foreseeable future but uh, the thing I do have coming up is a studio build I'm uh, building out a new drum room at my place and you know whenever that's done I'll you know be able to you know track drums and like play on stuff and also program continue to do the things that I've been doing just in a better sounding and uh more workflow friendly
1: way so i'm looking forward to help Purpose built space right exactly make a huge difference exactly that'd be great yeah nice cool and um i did say my last question with my last one but where can people find you how do people you know connect with you that kind of thing
2: yeah um instagram's a good way marshall drums you know people can send me a dm and um or you know follow me there that's that's probably the best one I do have a website which I probably should take down at this point because like who even has that anymore like I don't even know what's on there um, yeah you know um, that's Instagram's probably the best way to get in touch. Instagram's
1: the best place that's where we connected so
2: there you go yeah 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 totally
1: cool well I guess you know the last thing for me to say is thanks so much my pleasure for for joining us and chatting Ableton and drums and playback and everything it's been it's been great
2: yeah thanks for having me and uh, you know appreciate you reaching out and um, yeah just to everybody out there feel free to, to hit me up if you have any questions or want to talk about nerd shit I'm always down
1: sweet yeah cool thanks so much man thank you have a great show enjoy the tour All right.
2: thanks